Hey guys, uh, just dropping a note real quick here to apologize for the delay in posting this episode. Uh, you might hear the reasons for the delay alluded to in the conversation. Uh, over the course of the last month, a lot of stuff has happened in life. Uh, I've gotten married. Uh, we have been out of town for said marriage. And when I say we, I mean everyone involved in this podcast. Uh, I've included a nice photo of us on uh, during the wedding festivities to prove the veracity of our claims, although uh, all it really proves is that we were in one place at one time. So you'll have to take my word for it and do like a Blade Runner style uh, enhance, zoom, magnify, enhance to try to find the wedding ring on my finger. But I assure you it's there in the picture. Um, so yeah, thank you for, uh, for tolerating our uh, seemingly interminable delay on this episode, which was recorded on June 5th, so more than a month ago at this point. Uh, like Rusty Venture, we, uh, we gotta get our shit together. But uh, thank you, and enjoy. Thank you! you. Oh! This is the voice I heard you, you say it in one time oh! by a text, I think. Thank you! I don't know why. Oh! <laughs> thank Whenever you, you say thank you oh! by a text with an exclamation point, this is what I hear. <laughs> It actually does sound no, like that. Every time you buy something from him, it's the strangest. I'm going to go ahead and stop that. Yeah. <laughs> no, so play it for 10 minutes. So as to keep my sanity. Stephen, I need to include this link. Oh, oh I've, like, I'm, so, cap- I'm capturing my system audio. Don't worry. It's in the record. Oh, okay. <laughs> oh, no. I'm sorry, listeners. Oh! Wow. Is it whenever anybody says thank you, or do they need to say oh thank you? Whenever anyone says it? Is that yeah. what you're asking me? No, I'm saying yeah, specifically what? when Derek says it what? via text. I don't know why. <laughs> he just he said it via text one time, and that's what I heard in my head. <laughs> but but again, what? does it did it need to be preceded by oh or was it? Maybe just it did. You? I don't remember. I mean I included this video. I think I sent I think I Included this description and a link to this video in the text chat. In the chain. I do not remember this. I don't blame you for not I don't remember this either. All right, Huge, turn the camera away from that pizza menu. Back to your face. (laughs) Oh, sorry. (laughs) Yeah, that's been like that for a half hour now. I took off screen share a long time ago, but I just put it back on for the the Beetle thing. And let's, uh, Um, let's. Oh, yeah, that's fair. Let's talk about Ghost Rider Spirit of Vengeance because I was like, it, it specifically oh, was on my face for a long you. time. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, so the the movie this week is Ghost Rider Spirit of Vengeance. This week, month, this indeterminate time period. Is Ghost <laughs> this, Rider, podcast. this podcast. Phil, Ghost wait a minute. Wait a minute. What day are we recording on? June fifth. Oh, it would have been uh, my grandfather's uh, birthday today. Oh. Uh, he'd be like a hundred and something. Would he, would uh, he? Was your grandfather one of the Ghost Riders? I don't know. Was he a writer on the storm? <laughs> Almost assuredly. Mm. We are all writers on the storm. Oh. Into this world we're born. Was he something, Sam something, something, something. Writers on the storm. Was he Sam Elliott? He did have white hair. Okay, good. That's, that's proof <laughs> enough for me. My grandpa did too. Both of them. Maybe wow. my grand, Maybe my grandfather is your grandfather. <laughs> Was your grandfather bald? In addition to having white hair? Wait, back what up. Was? <laughs> How Hold can on. a man be bald and have white... Just, just one more question, sir. 
asked a few more questions, man. Just one more thing. I'm a boy. That's right. Never give up. Anyway, we're talking about Ghost Rider Spirit of Vengeance. But I really want to talk about Columbo's painting of himself that Derek Derek sent us. Now that, that... We brought up, now that we brought up Peter Paul. <laughs> who apparently only liked painting uh, sexy, <laughs> of sexy ladies. I, it was completely inexplicable. Um, although somehow I found Billy D. Williams' painting oh, that was less best. explicable. Less, less explicable, somehow. His was the best. He he clearly had the best artistic eye. Yeah, it seemed like it seemed like a real. Um... I can't. I I need I need to actually go back and check. I can't remember what his was. But yeah, like it was it was legitimate enough that I was like, maybe it's just another guy with that name. Yeah. Nope, William December <laughs> Williams. Yeah. yeah, I was a little offended that you guys, that Nick, you didn't remember me uh, discovering that for myself and exclaiming it uh, very excitedly on the text chain at some point in the last year or two. And I, I asked uh, if he if he was related to William Carlos Williams. So we're talking and about Ghost Rider Nick Spirit. Didn't know who we were talking about? <laughs> who is William Carlos Williams? He was a poet and and medical doctor. Uh, oh, famous poet. He, he wrote was, uh, the Red, Red Wheelbarrow. He was William December Williams's father. <laughs> Ghost Rider Spirit of Vengeance. I know uh, this is. God damn it. There it is. Uh, this is one that everyone uh, everyone here has been looking forward to for a while. And yeah. perhaps the one yeah. that Bester has most been looking forward to. I really, really have. It's true. <laughs> um, do we. Uh, I've been so thrown off by all this Beatle conversation. I, even I mean, we can still we can talk about Beatles some more if you want. No, no, this is Cinema Excelsior. We are talking about Marvel movies. Uh, okay. Panel today. I didn't have time to uh, come up with uh, with any names for you. So we've got Daniel Watson Jones. I'll just be Danny Catch. You can be Danny Catch. Uh, Derek Long. You can just be Derek Ketch. Derek Ketch. Hi, everybody. <laughs> Hi, Dr. Derek. We really uh, should have saved that one for the next guy. Yep. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, Nick, Nick Bester. Thank you. Thank you. Oh, uh, He can just be you. Nick Nick Ketch. <laughs> Nick Ketch. I don't know what this is a reference to. Danny <laughs> Ketch is a, is a character. He's the second Ghost Rider. And I'm, I'm Stephen Claypool. I think I'll, he's... I'll, I'll be... I'll be... Uh, I'll be Beetle. Okay. There you go. Beetle Thank you. Four of us, you could have easily just given us the Beatles. Uh, <laughs> it's, it's spelled a different way. Okay. You're, you're, <laughs> yeah, you're, uh, like Beetle yeah. is spelled differently than Beetle. All right. So that's what I was saying. Up. It's spelled differently than Beetle. All right. So, Dude, you're Pete Best. Derek, you're Stu Sutcliffe. Uh, Best, you're George <laughs> Martin, and I'll be Billy Preston. Let's move Can on. Can I be Pete uh, Best Catch? <laughs> Pete Best Catch what? Feet <laughs> uh, be, be best catch it or else they'll hit him. Uh, anyway, I will say that every single, every single email that I sent out to students is uh, started with "Hi, uh, hi, every everybody." Nice. Uh, just on the off chance somebody understands, I'm I'm sure that somebody understands that, Nick. Um. Anyway, <laughs> I hope. We're, we're watching Ghost Rider: Spirit of Vengeance. Uh, the first thing I'll say is this film came out in 2012, which mm-hmm. kind of seems hard to believe. 
Twas really? only twas only four years ago. Well, that's true. That we yeah. had this film gifted upon us, not fourteen years ago, which it feels like. Um, hard to, it's hard to believe that I lived four years. I could have been watching this movie, and I haven't been. Could have. Been. <laughs> um, just, I I didn't I didn't even look up who directed this because I just saw it was two last names in the credits. It's the guy. It's the guys who did the Crank movies. Oh, the Crankers. Yeah. The that breakers. does explain why it why so much of it looked uh cinematically like a video game yeah um i had forgotten that well it's why a lot of it looks like great <laughs> yeah yeah Tales i thought that they did a good job with it i i felt like the cinematography actually uh looked more comic book like than ang lee's hulk yeah, like the uh, the, uh, the conversation between Kerrigan and um, I forget I forget Mephistopheles' uh, alias in the movie. Rourke. Rourke. Yes, but Rourke. Uh, that whole sort of split screen thing was I don't know if it was successful, but it was certainly interesting. Well, I guess I felt like the the way that the camera entered a scene, we are then we, we traveled are... to the character, felt. Like it progressed the way that comic panels progress. We have skipped past like the first normal <laughs> hour that we do in the podcast and filled it with talk of tertiary Legend of Zelda characters. So why don't we bring I it mean, back to the top? I feel like this is pretty standard for us. Doesn't it generally take us a solid like at least hour. half hour to yeah. actually get to it's get just on. not usually being recorded. No, no, it always is. Um, oh, oh God. You are always being recorded. Does, uh, I have devices in each of your homes. Does uh, does anyone want well, to start I mean, off by I mean, to... Stefan very specifically sent me this recording device. I'm on to you, Stefan. Yeah. Nick, have you ever wondered why the light never goes off? That does that does explain things. Does oh, anyone want to try? Does anyone want to try to summarize this movie? I know it's like trying to summarize Proust, but. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, well, here, I, heavily aided by Wikipedia's plot summary. Oh, I mean, I, I have a whole, like, kind of description <laughs> written out uh, D- D- as Derek, I was watching the first two-thirds of it the first time. Derek, uh, you hit it, and then, dude, you supplement as, like, the color comment. <laughs> Derek, you be oh. the uh, the Joe Buck, and, dude, you be the Tim McCarver. <laughs> I, I don't get those references. Uh, I don't know what that means. Uh, all right, so uh, we start in a specific country. No, we start in Eastern Europe somewhere. Mm-hmm. I really liked that, actually. I liked that it was vague and didn't know. need to be. I didn't need to worry about, well, this doesn't look like this landscape. Or <laughs> uh, it just it's fine. Like, it's just a story. Like, it doesn't have to be in a specific place. Go, go, I don't need go to on. go to the place where Ghost Rider was. Go on there. <laughs> Uh, so, uh, in Eastern Europe, uh, we have a character named Moreau, played by Idris Elba, who is a French priest slash motorcycle rider slash, alcoholic. you know, alcoholic secret society member, secret society member. Anyway, he, uh, he arrives at this, uh, uh, monastery, um, and uh, he is, uh, he warns the monks there about, uh, an impending attack by the devil's forces to obtain a boy named Danny. Danny. Uh, yes. Dun, dun, Danny. Uh, uh, all of a sudden, the monastery is attacked, um, and uh, Moreau uh, tries to help Danny and uh, his mother, whose name is Nadia, uh, played by Violante Placido, which is an incredible name. Yeah. Um, a violent plastique. Exactly. Uh, anyway, he tries to help them escape 
from uh, the monastery, but uh, they don't trust him uh, for whatever reason. And in fact, the Nadia shoots at him uh, and runs away with Danny. Uh, Moreau, there's a, there's a fight sequence. Moreau um, uh, manages to uh, distract the uh, unnamed villains who are chasing them, but uh, nearly dies in the process and loses them. Um, Moreau believes that only the ghost rider is capable of protecting the boy. He finds the rider, played by Nicholas Cage. Are you just Cage. reading the Wikipedia summary? Part, yeah, mostly at this point. Oh. Uh, because that's not being created. <laughs> I do have an original uh, description here. All right, well, <laughs> jump in. Tag team, tag out. Uh, I mean, it's probably, yeah. it's, it's probably not, not more do effective, it. but at least it won't be. Okay, uh, so let's see. Vehicle chase ensues, tires shot out, boy and mom escape. Narrated exposition. Animation sequence. Um where we get the, yes. the whole first film explained. Uh, well, and... we, we get the first film, like, explained in a way that it did not happen. <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, but this, this is, uh, we're working Close with enough. archetypes here, okay? Uh, if, you, yeah. if, if you are as The Ghost Rider is a legend, with, man. Uh, with uh, Joey Cams, uh, as I am, then you will remember the, uh, the flaming-headed skeleton uh, archetype. Uh, Joey Campbell. And all of this Joey Cam being, <laughs> being Campbell. And incidentally, all of this is narrated by Nicolas Cage. Yes, yeah. so, that is probably the best part of the film is that you get to listen to Nicolas Cage narrate his own story. <laughs> I mean, the animated sequences I think are legitimately good. Yeah, oh, I think honestly, I think the movie is legitimately good. I uh, love this. Film. <laughs> <laughs> I'm with uh, you on this. I'm pretty sure we're. I'm pretty sure it's us against them on this one. But well, I'm, I'm not going to take sides yet. I'm not going to induce the taking of sides even. Uh, but so okay, we got this this girl Nadia or woman Nadia. Uh, do you guys know what the name Nadia means? No. Hope. Oh wow! This is, do you, know, working do you guys on know what the name? Do you, do you guys know what the name Daniel means? Uh, Something of the God. Anybody? Messenger of God. It means uh, God is my judge. Oh, so there's uh, like, what's the name Johnny Blaze mean? Uh, <laughs> uh, I'm gonna look up the name John real quick, actually. <laughs> Anyway, so they right, are... You, I'm okay, going right, so, right, so, Moreau and Johnny Blaze, confrontation. Uh, Moreau seeks the rider. He offers a chance to have Blaze's soul returned if he helps locate and protect the boy. Uh, another chase. This time, Kerrigan, apparently Nadia's ex, catches up to them. Apparently uh, played by a young geez. Kurt Russell. Well, I thought he looked uh, vaguely like <laughs> Kurt Russell and kind of like... Uh, uh, what's the... Uh, what's... Uh, uh, Cameron, the Christian guy, his sister was on Full House. Kurt Cameron. Kurt Cameron. Kurt Cameron. A little like Kurt Cameron. He's a well, and Cameron a little and like Kurt Bobby Russell. from Twin Peaks. According to Google, I've just Googled Jonathan meaning, and the, according to this, it's a cooking apple of, of redskin variety first grown in the U.S. I'm not uh, going to dig any deeper. That's what the name Jonathan means. Well, his name is not Jonathan. It's it's J-O-H-N-N-Y, which usually means it's uh, the diminutive of John. Which is a different I name. Like, I feel like I feel like jo- uh, Johnny could easily be either Jonathan or John. Anyway, so I feel you, like so it's so only young, Jonathan if it's J O N N Y. Young uh, Russell Cameron confronts. Uh... <laughs> uh, let's see. Oh, these guys seem very accepting of the flaming skull head guy. Uh, kill it! Don't look at it. How did that guy know? That's Kerrigan. I guess he knows because he knows about the Ghost Rider and also the devil because the devil hired him. Uh, so a drop of the kid's blood falls on the ground and the bad guy Blaze was staring into blows up or something. Uh, a shotgun blast. It turned out it was not a shotgun. It was probably a rocket-propelled grenade. Mm. Blows Blaze back about 30 yards. Uh, that's some RPG. 
Uh, I thought it was a shotgun. Sorry. Uh, Kerrigan kidnaps Danny. Um, Blaze wakes up in the hospital. Uh, he sees Nadia, who's there for some reason. Did she bring him to the hospital? Is that what you guys got? I, I kind of thought that maybe the two of them were both hospitalized and just happened to be leaving simultaneously. It's, it's a real oh, okay. moonlighting. I don't, I, don't I don't think the movie's given that much thought. John okay. means Yahweh is gracious, and oh. uh, Jonathan means Yahweh has given. What is what Blaze? Is the... <laughs> Thank you. What does Blaze mean? <laughs> Blaze? Yahweh Blaze. is gracious uh, for getting me high. Blaze, name, meaning. Um, <laughs> uh, okay, Derek, you can go back to uh, summarizing, uh, and I will interrupt with uh, nonsensical right, uh, descriptions. So, so we're leaving. The name of... Blaze is a French baby name. In French, the meaning of the name Blaze is lisp, stutter. <laughs> <laughs> Who would name their kid Stutter? I don't know. Well, it is his last name. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so Jigawe is Wait. is gracious. Did you, stutter. Just, did you just say Jigawe? <laughs> Jigawe. Anyway, uh, Johnny oh. and uh, Nadia leaving the hospital. They leave the hospital, and they're they're sort of like trusting each other at this point. Um, let's see. Uh, Kerrigan tells Rourke, and Rourke speaks an incantation to Danny via phone. This via cell effect, phone puts up. Which must yeah, have been a very phone. good provider, because I feel like most <laughs> providers would have missed one second of the incantation or something, yeah, and then curious. God knows what would happen. Uh, as he puts it, this puts up a firewall. You know computers, right? A firewall. But preventing the rider from sensing his whereabouts. Uh, he warns Kerrigan it will not shield him from being sensed, and gives him instructions to deliver Denny. Nadia later tells Johnny Blaze that as she lay dying, she made a deal with life in return for him impregnating her with Danny, making Danny a direct vessel for Rourke and the potential for him to have unlimited power on the surface world. Making Nadia, as Johnny says, (laughs) the devil's baby mama. Baby Baby mama. You're the devil's baby baby mama. mama. the devil's baby mama. Did you guys notice that Nicolas Cage makes a lot of jokes in this movie, but to Uh, himself? Because no one laughs at any of them ever? It's like, like it's really it's like odd. <laughs> yes. I did notice that. Yeah. You've been carrying most... this bread for a while, huh? No response from Stringer This Bell. is the most phoned in zany Nicholas Cage performance I've ever seen. And it's frustrating uh, because it's the one that calls for the craziest Nicholas Cage. And there are a couple of times when he rides the edge of it, like when yeah. he's yeah. in the he delivers it a few t- yeah, th- yeah, he that's that's like A plus yeah, Zany Nicholas but I, Cage. I wanted that level of engagement in the entire film. Hold on, a pizza guy's here. Uh don't uh have any fun while I'm gone. Okay. All right. How many cannolis uh, so- did you order? <laughs> anyway. Uh so uh, Dan escapes, but only temporarily because he breaks his ankle uh in uh what looks like a pretty bad and uh is Recaptured. Uh, that night, Nadia and Johnny interrogate a known contact of Kerrigan's, a guy who looks like he works on a cruise ship, as Johnny <laughs> remembering that correctly. Yeah, that's what he says. Um, Johnny takes a deal with Kerrigan. Nadia saves Denny, a mining machine. And according to Wikipedia, this mining machine is a Bagger 288, 
which used to yes. be the heaviest land vehicle in the world from 1978 to 1995. Parts of this machine into a massive fiery machine. <laughs> Uh, converts it into a massive fire machine, destroying their hideout complex, Aragon. Uh, the rider catches to Nadia and uh, starts to use his penance stare. I didn't know that thing had a name on her. Danny is able to stop the rider with a word, exercising his hidden power. So that happened. Exercising or exorcising? Exorcising is how it's written here. E as in, like, an exercise machine. Ah. Hmm. Uh, so, um, Rourke is, uh, not, uh, not with Kerrigan. Using his power, he turns Kerrigan into a demon called Blackout, capable of instantly decaying anything he touches, except Twinkies, while shrouded in darkness. So I didn't Johnny... think that he ever, ca- I didn't hear him ever call him Blackout, and I just kind of saw him touch things and decay them. And so the name that I came up with him as I watched him was The Crumbler, because anything he touches <laughs> crumbles. I thought of him as decaying man. Don't crumble. Twinkies don't crumble. Yeah, but neither do steering wheels. He's able to drive a car. Yeah, it's a real King Midas paradox here. Yeah, yeah, the Midas paradox. Well, at the very least, Star Trek episode. At the very least, Midas is uh, that story is uh, you know understands that uh, you'd be able to touch. You know, there's a price to it. I feel like it's more like uh, characters are intangible, but can totally walk around totally fine. Oh, like Kenny Pryde. Yeah. Hmm. Anyway. Anyway, uh, Moreau, uh, let's see. Uh, Johnny and Nadia bring Danny to Moreau's monastery with warm reception. Mm. Thanks, Wikipedia. Moreau delivers on his end of the bargain, and after explaining... Weirdly sarcastic... After explaining that the Ghost Rider is the twisted incarnation of the Spirit of Justice, Zarathos, I don't remember this at all. Nope. After yeah, no, being this is there. This is and tortured, there. And tortured to madness while in hell, he exorcises with an O, Johnny of the Spirit, and Johnny becomes human again. The head monk Methodius, played by Christopher Lambert. Christopher Lambert! Oh, shit, that, that was Christopher Lambert. Yes. Uh, <laughs> proclaims that Danny will never be safe from the influence of evil and says he must die, taking Johnny, Moreau, and Nadia captive in order to execute the boy. Uh, Kerrigan gasp. intervenes, however, killing the monks and taking Danny captive again to deliver to Rourke. The others follow with Johnny not wanting to desert Danny after having promised to protect him. With a ritual to transfer Rourke's spirit and power into Danny underway, the three infiltrate the compound to save him. Kerrigan kills Moreau, but Danny, who Rourke states has the same powers as he does, gives Johnny back the power of the Ghost Rider. Rourke manages to escape with Danny, and the Ghost Rider and Nadia give pursuit. After a vehicular struggle, <laughs> Ghost Rider manages to defeat Kerrigan and causes the SUV carrying Rourke and Danny to crash. And quits. The Ghost Rider... Roadkill. Roadkill. The Ghost Rider literally sends Rourke back into hell, while Danny, who has died in the accident, is returned to his mother. Channeling the blue flame okay, of Zerathos, Johnny manages to revive... Danny and assures him of his safety. As the film now covered in his motorcycle, saying, my name is Johnny Blaze. I'm the ghost rider. Okay, I'm back. Can you guys repeat everything that happened while I was gone? <sighs> ghost rider is really fucking awesome. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah he is. I, uh, I have to say, uh, I, just maybe to, to start, I was really bored with this film. Oh, wow. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know why. Maybe I was tired, but it was, it was like I had to force myself to continue to watch it. Hmm. I, admittedly, I uh, 
I was not, well, the first time I watched this, it was right when it came out on DVD and I was progressively more drunk and enjoying it more and more. Uh, uh, yeah, no, I mean, the second time I watched it was when I bought it on Blu-ray several years ago. And then this was the third and fourth time. Uh, <laughs> watch it twice for this. And I, I, well, I watched it by myself and then I watched it with Hillary because we talk about it and I get more out of it. But uh, I, I've liked it more every time I've watched it. It's like when Raging Bull came out and the reviews were eh, but the more you saw it. Yeah, it's kind of like Moby Dick that way. Yeah. <laughs> um, I don't know. It was just, it was like, here's another movie with a prophecy and, oh, the, Nicolas Cage is in it, but he just phones it in. Mm-hmm. And it phones in like zaniness. Yeah. Which is yeah. like, that's the of Nicolas Cage performance aspects. Is say, is Derek really laggy for you guys too, or is it just me? He's behind the times again. Yeah, he's laggy over here. Um, I would say I, I don't totally disagree Sorry. with Derek. I think that this film was not all it could have been had Cage really committed. Um, but I... I think the thing that I took pleasure in is there was like this great cast of character actors around yes. them yes. that took things that I would not have been interested in and really elevated them in weird ways. Like yeah. the the priest that gets killed at the beginning is mm-hmm. Anthony Stewart Head. And yes. I love seeing Anthony Stewart Head in things. And yeah. I, I love uh, Christoph Lambert in anything. And I noticed this time around that part of that is because every line of dialogue he says in everything he's in sounds like it was ADR'd and in post. Uh, <laughs> uh, it's like his voice does not come out of his mouth. Mm-hmm. Um, I, 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 I kind, yeah, I kind of agree with that, but then there are other character actors in this, like Kieran Hines, who normally I love in I things. Love and, yeah. and somehow his performance in this, like, it, it, it was kind of like Nicolas Cage's, like there were two to it. And you could you could kind of feel the histrionics mm-hmm. inside there, but for whatever reason, it just didn't erupt as much as it should have mm-hmm. on screen. So I thought about Kieran Hines as well because I loved him. Like people know him from Game of Thrones, I really loved him in Rome, where he played Julius Caesar. And in that show, he was so goddamn subtle in everything that he did, mm-hmm. and just very controlled. And it's a it's a a great great performance. And as I was watching this, it wasn't just that he was not giving a great performance. It was that, okay, if he didn't want to be subtle, he needed to swing way further in yeah. the other direction than he did. Yeah, He needed subtle in his lack of subtlety. Yeah. Um, and I'll also say that I was way more interested in the film when Idris Elba was on screen than when he was not on screen. Um, yeah. I actually... Sorry. I actually felt like the the opening sequence accomplished a lot because I uh, there's a whole lot of expo- exposition. They established that these monks are high tech; that they actually have access to a whole lot of different things going on. So you don't ever question, well, how do they know about the prophecy? How do they know about mm-hmm. you know the devil? How do they know who's doing what? Because they explain it in the background in that scene. Sure, they're you know they're the NSA of the religious world. Uh, okay, that's fine. Um, so I found myself not questioning why there are all these like leaps in uh, scene progression 
without any explanation uh that i uh i also felt that you know the immediate appearance of stringer bell hanging out with giles i i uh, i was like okay i'm all in and then hillary uh watched it and uh she felt the same way after the first sequence she's like i really want to know what's going on with this kid just because it was uh idris elba and anthony stewart head um yeah, I was really sad that Anthony Stewart head's only in that scene. Yeah. I, like, if, yeah. Ima- imagine if Idris Elba had, like, a sidecar on his motorcycle and Anthony Stewart head came with him the entire movie. I was, mm-hmm. re- I was ready um, at the end of that scene to get off of the Ghost Rider Spirit of Vengeance train and go all- go and watch whatever yeah. buddy movie was going to be made <laughs> with Idris Elba and Anthony Stewart head trying to hunt down this, uh, this kid. Um, yeah. yeah. I, I did agree with you, though, that I sort of felt like it also made Idris Elba, like, the primary protagonist for me. Yeah. And then mm-hmm. Nicolas Cage comes in as this other character who is, okay, well, now we're going to talk about uh, demons chasing you. And, uh, you know, it the opening sequence ends with Idris Elba possibly being killed. And then we get an animated sequence, which I thought was, like, shockingly cool. And yeah. I bet a really good way to save money, uh, which I felt that this movie was generally good at. Like, I it yeah, looked I, like I, it was a more low budget film than the first film, but everything that it did, uh, effects wise, I thought looked better and were generally better storytelling mechanisms. And I yeah. thought the story was much more interesting and extreme than the first film, which essentially had a had a, a nonsense X? plot. <laughs> this movie is. I have never seen a film that is less afraid to go to extremes. This is a film that takes the, the what was for 17 years, the largest and heaviest land vehicle on the planet <laughs> and sets it on fire. They're like, okay, well, what does is, what is, uh, Ghost Rider do? What are his powers? Uh, let's see, he punishes people for their sins. That he, gets, he gives people what they deserve and whatever he rides is on fire. So how about we get him into the biggest thing on earth and set it on fire. And then we have him, we'll have the climax of the film be amongst the worst people on earth. The the, the most influential people who literally worship the devil. The climax of the film though, and Bester tweeted this, it should have been on a roller coaster. Yes. No, 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 no. You completely missed the point of that. You saw the roller coaster. You saw the flaming roller coaster in your mind. That's all you needed. The kid plays the role of the audience saying, who was reading a Ghost Rider comic book as a child and saying, what would it be like if he were on a camel or on a roller coaster? And and Nicolas Cage dismisses all of this like really cool, awesome stuff with I don't know. This is just what I ride. Like yeah. he's a motorcyclist. He's a oh, biker. Yeah. I didn't, I didn't what expect them to get on a roller coaster. <laughs> but mm-hmm. if we lived in the best of all possible worlds, he would have gotten on a roller coaster. But yes, but great. they probably didn't have the budget for it. No. So they gave you the second best of all possible worlds, <laughs> the one where you get to see that in your mind. Wait, wait, wait. This is the movie that begs the question. What would I, happen if he got on a roller coaster? Have, no other film has asked that question. I have to ask, though, like, if budget was really the primary constraint, would they have gotten the heaviest vehicle on Earth? As opposed, well, to, it's roller, all as opposed to renting out Eastern Six Flags Europe. for a day? <laughs> Six Flags. I mean, they're, they're shooting this whole thing in Eastern Europe on location for a reason. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> There's probably yeah, one I of these that. just sitting unused in former Soviet Russia. <laughs> Uh, that, that it cost them like a fifty dollar bribe to shoot off. Guys, guys, look what <laughs> look what we found. 
Yeah, no, it probably is much cheaper. Uh, I I do like that point about uh, (laughs) particularly that conversation with the kids sort of being like uh, like the the, the little kid sort of imagining all the ridiculous versions of his power, particularly when we see Ghost Rider peeing, which is a shot that they use twice in the movie. Uh, Yes, I actually thought that uh, that it was supposed to be the continuation the. When I saw this movie for the first time and I was drunk, what I remembered for years was that Nicolas Cage chugs that water so that he can use his flaming pee as an actual weapon. Uh, and I had forgotten that that was just a scene in the imagination of the two of them as a bonding moment. Like, hey, demon kid, I'm if demon only, adult. Look what I can do. If only that had happened. Uh, but I assumed that his, his chugging of water must have been his, this is what Johnny Blaze has become after five years of being he a writer. Water. He's got the innocent drink, eating, eating jelly, jelly bellies out of a martini glass. He is now a, a darkened adult who is just thirsty all the time because he's on fire constantly. Yeah, I think that's yeah, I mean, that, That's kind of what I missed in this movie. Like, the, as crazy as it was, you, you had little moments of characterization yeah. like that in the yeah. first film. Yeah. And I, you don't, you don't get they, all that much of that in that it's ju- it's just like lazy one-liners yeah. lazily delivered the things that i don't like about this film tend to be the feeling that a lot of these uh, a lot of this dialogue was like in the first or second draft and they they hadn't gotten to okay we're gonna punch this up with clever one-liners comic booky type like moments instead they and just, said, Nick, you uh, just punch a few up. more yeah like characterization things and i didn't like that they removed the you actually see uh, the mind's eye of the person as they're getting the penance stare that they use in the first film. It costs uh, money. Yeah, I mean, the montages are expensive, so I assume that they couldn't, you know, use that actor like menacing a small animal or uh, some kind of generic awful thing uh, while Nicolas Cage is staring at him. So instead, we get a lot of really long sequences of Nicolas Cage staring at a guy. Presumably, we're supposed to be interspliced with moments of that person's <laughs> awful life. But it's, it in post. They, like, yeah, there this, are... this is one of the only sequences I've seen in anything where someone uses special effects to make Nicolas Cage look less crazy. Because he, he <laughs> they have to turn him into part, partial skull uh, for like three moments during that one long sequence because the acting that he's doing looks so insane. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I liked, um, uh, to Derek's point, though, in the first film, you do have, like, I think there's a couple things. One, you get all of these little quirks that he has throughout the film, like the martini glass, like how much he loves watching monkeys on television and things <laughs> like that. Um, I forgot about the monkeys. And, it always gets to him. He loves it. And he's got his uh, his I lovable he's got his lo- his lovable sidekick Donald Logue, who uh, did not re- must be holding him out for part three when they bring that back. Uh, but uh, you don't get the like, you, you know he you know he died in the first film. Right? Well, it was inconclusive. <laughs> <laughs> we didn't see the medics arrive. Anyway, um, but the, the, like, drinking an entire pitcher of water thing, that was the one moment in this one where it's like, oh, he's quirky, as opposed to, oh, he's sleepy. Um, yeah, I, I, I really would have liked to have seen more in the, uh, more in the crazed Nicolas Cage department, and I thought we were get like, I thought it was going to be kind of a slow burn, and we got there like, when he was Jesus didn't mean to hurt. Right. Um, I thought we were going to get there when he was doing the interrogating the henchman scene, 
because he is like right on the edge of going totally over the top there. And then he, yeah. he kind of pulls back from it. He never really gets close to it again. Yeah, but I, I like, like, obviously you can't really uh, credit to Nick Cage because all CGI at that point. But I also like sort of how how sort of erratic and weird uh, the Ghost Rider spirit itself is in this movie. Like, it, it moves erratically and does weird shit in a way that I found sort of yeah. much more endearing and charming than just sort of the kind of intense, emo-y kind of... Uh, yeah. Even the uh, figure that we have in the uh, in the uh, first movie. Even the yeah, way I they do the, the head is better in this one. It's it's a more it's oh, a yeah, better I, visual realization of the character. Yeah, yeah I, I think the, the effects, effects are really really good. good. According to the uh, according to what the Wikipedia page was saying about sort of the negative re- uh, reactions, apparently people really didn't like the effects, which I found surprising. Did you follow, did you follow those uh, annotations to the articles? That I they did were... not actually. Oh, okay. uh, did do that much due diligence here? Okay, I'm just curious because I would like to know this. I didn't even language. read the. I didn't even read the IMDb trivia for this movie, Whoa. so oh, I am. I'm going in like wow. with like bare I, uh, minimum. I guess there. I didn't either, but uh, I I often don't. Oh, um, I usually do. But I, uh, yeah, I thought the CGI in this was one of the best aspects, and I watched it on on Blu-ray and thought it was one of the better visual like Blu-ray cinema experiences i've had like all of the burnt leather effects like a lot of things that in some situations cheap cgi uh like makes it look terrible i thought the the aspects of cheap cgi made this look good because there was a shiny quality to the burnt leather that in a lot of other sequences makes something look fake and it made this look more realistic to me i think it was it was roger ebert who said that uh, the shiny quality of cgi leather is the true mark of a film's quality (laughs) (laughs) well i thought the the only part that really bugged me and this goes actually back to what we were talking about earlier is for the interrogation thing i thought like that kind of morphing effect looks rather goofy particularly in the sort of that weird sequence immediately following him where he's sort of laughing maniacally on the on the flaming bike while turning into the ghost rider I honestly I, I like think the, the more f- effects there just I didn't like. I, I, I totally agree with you. And I th- thought that it looked unlike any other aspect of the rider transformation that we've seen. And I genuinely think that they just added those in because they wanted to use the scene. And Nicolas Cage looked too insane to just be standing there without something going crazy in his skull. It reminded me, for some reason, most of all, of Who Framed Roger Rabbit. There's something about the <laughs> the, the sort of the morphing of the perspective there. Mm-hmm. Like it put me in mind of Judge yeah. Doom. Do Do you remember the film uh, uh, An American Tale: Fievel Goes West? I do. Of the great Fievel films. Do you remember yeah, that that bizarre? Strategy. That uh, bizarre, like, dance that the big cat friend does that involves his eyes shooting out of his head and, like, <laughs> No, I, I have repressed those memories. Okay, I... It, well, it's it's some kind of attack thing. I just remember it being the humorous climax to me in the theater with my brother laughing at that for five solid minutes uh, as a child. Uh, and, yeah, the, the way that his eyes shot out of his head in that animated <laughs> film kind of reminded me of what was going on with Nicolas Cage right here. <laughs> yeah. Huh. Can we I talk mean, about the uh yes. Sorry, go ahead, dude. Uh no, I was I was just gonna correct my, my sentence structure, but it's completely <laughs> <laughs> to anyone. Including myself. Yeah. Um 
I found it odd that there was there was such like blatant pandering to the Da Vinci Code crowd in this <laughs> film. Huh. Like with the monks? I don't know. It it just seemed like that's you know, that cycle was like eight years before this film was even released, right? Um, no, wasn't I mean, the, my, wasn't the Da Vinci Code movie like 2010, 11? I think it was this earlier is, than that. I want to say I it, think was like it was. Yeah, it was. Uh, the Da Vinci Code was 2006. Yeah, Angels and Demons. Yeah, the might movie have been like or the, yeah, the movie? The movie. Really, 2006? I know. It yeah. seems So timeless. What? No. <laughs> I think you're thinking of Angels and Demons, but oh, uh, honestly, be. Derek, I had not considered that. What I saw as I was watching these, like you know, these are scenes in a castle that's a monastery uh and these like catacombs that uh, i i just uh, assumed that they had chosen whatever interesting historical religious monuments existed in places that they could film really cheaply (laughs) and i thought they did a pretty good job like they came up with some sets here that are pretty impressive yeah, yeah, I, I, mean, I, I did. I did not. It did not put me in mind of the Da Vinci Code either, though. Though, though now that you mention it, I'm like, okay, yeah, I can see how that. It this put might be. me in mind of Castle Freak. <laughs> <laughs> uh, in a good way or a bad way? Uh, when they were, at- I don't think there is a bad way of being in mind of Castle Freak. Oh. I, I mean, like, notionally, it makes sense for the character, right? I mean, it, it's yeah. it's on the more kind of supernatural end of yeah. uh, mm-hmm. uh, of Marvel properties. But somehow I feel like in execution, I don't know, there's just something, there, there's something kind of, kind of like, almost like Western about the, it's like a Western kind of oh, yeah. Protestant type of, like imagining of the devil mm-hmm. when you know at least as it was conceived in the in the first film yeah. and it seemed to me like a kind of odd mixture here to stride to bring that figure into uh the more like catholic like right. world that's yeah kind i mean there's a distinct rosemary's film. baby like yeah atmosphere yeah. to the end but it, uh, the approach I mean, feels much more it was uh, it, 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 it's a really it's a it's a really simple and sort of you know, well, well-worn story, but yeah. you know, we watched a movie where the Ghost Rider teams up with the Antichrist to send the devil to hell. Come on, yeah. that's awesome. That <laughs> is an I, awesome I, thing. If you cannot, I legitimately it. agree with that. Uh, although I still, I feel uncomfortable calling him the Antichrist for some reason, even though it's a perfectly legitimate description. Well, Ghost Rider I himself think... says uh, when he's talking to Nadia toward the end of the film, she says yeah. that, "Oh, Danny is is the best thing I ever did, or the best thing that ever yeah. happened to me." And, the only good thing, I think. Yeah, the only good thing that's ever happened to me. And uh, his response is, "That being the case, we better make sure he doesn't turn out to be the Antichrist." <laughs> yeah. Which I thought was an amazing line. Yeah. He might—he's probably like the potential antichrist. He would certainly well, be the antichrist had the had the uh, ritual gone through. I mean, yeah, it's not—it's not unfair because if Christ is the son of God, Danny is the son of the devil, quite literally. Uh, yeah. But the the morality play aspect of the the plot that I like is that uh, that Danny has an absent father who is the devil. And he has a new father figure who is the ghost rider who works for the devil, but it explains to him that he gets to choose his own fate. And even if the devil imbued him, you know, created him to become the devil, uh, 
to be the vessel for for his own uh, failed uh, 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 paternal dreams. Then, uh, <laughs> uh, so it's like if he just reject if he escapes that, then he can make his own destiny. So it's like a kid's yeah. kid's dad is too busy being a boss, and mm-hmm. then the kid bonds with the uh, the dad boss's yeah. uh, yeah. right hand man, and yeah, t- it's, sure. it's, a, it's a regular about a boy. Well, um, it's, a, it's a guy who used Harry, to work for Harry the boss, but left to start his own right? company. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Cats in the cradle. Um, yeah. Uh, Cats in the cradle would, of hell. I do want to say that this movie accomplishes, like, a lot of different <laughs> tones for different scenes. Accomplishes is a strange word. Accomplishes. <laughs> it, it hits on. It, uh, there are many tones. <laughs> yes. And the, the family bonding, like, what, what, how did I put it in my notes? Let me look at this. Um, my students accomplish many different levels of writing. <laughs> let's play. How many different tones can scenes in this film conjure? Here we have the kid needs a new dad romantic comedy. Uh, yeah. And then they're joyriding on an Eastern European highway, which is probably the strangest family fun time bonding activity that so uh, perhaps I've ever seen. So but it works because they need to go a really way to a net. <laughs> And he, he's a stunt rider. He's fine. And Danny seems to have some kind of supernatural uh, protection against, uh, you know, life-threatening injury. Cause he, Fall, he, except when he dies at the end. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Where's your immortality now, motherfucker? Well, you know, yeah, he wasn't he, being uh, protected by uh, the... the wait. Wait, Zara Danny throws, doesn't die at the end. Yeah, he does. Yeah, and, he then, does. and then uh, Nick Cage yeah. yeah, he gets the um, angel fire. He becomes uh, the, he becomes the Geo City's uh, Ghost Rider, and that's John, not Danny. It's it's yeah, okay. Danny, yeah, Danny dies Danny in a car crash. And oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry, I missed you, you can you can Donnie be forgiven. Donnie Zarathos's powers and brings him back to life. Yeah, yeah, and uh, th- then they ask him if if they won, and he says, "I would say yes." You Hell can, yes. You can be forgiven for not noticing the resurrection because the film makes no effort to make it a big deal visually <laughs> yeah. or otherwise. That's I'm sorry. Like, there's a goddamn skeleton head on blue fire. How is that not Just give me a camera move. Give me a camera move. Give me a yeah. little swell of music. Um, Speaking no, of the there, style there, of the film. There's yeah. some weird-ass camera movements in this movie. Yes, yeah. there are some extremely yeah. weird. Yeah. There are also no, some... people. Some Thor-style candid angles yep. uh, that are completely unmotivated. Um, the goddamn split screen is—it's so weird. There's that one scene. Really weird. There, there are all kinds of like wipes that, like Neville Dean Taylor clearly thinks that they're like concealing the wipes and just making it cool <laughs> by like overlapping the wipe with a character moving across screen. But I just found it really distracting. And every yeah, scene didn't... where Blackout uses his powers. <laughs> Yeah. Yes. Well, I, I did. I did not mind that. Like, I found it weird at first, but then I kind of dug it. And I think that oh, goes I back to like the like it's a it's an economical way to uh, to do those effects. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I feel like it's kind of effective at the end. I mean, one of his powers is that he he brings darkness when he uses his powers. He literally sucks the light out of the room along with uh, uh, decaying things. Mm-hmm. So I I thought it worked really well. Uh, yeah. The only thing that I did not understand was why the Ghost Rider was. Hovering in place and spinning when he got hit. Yes, by- why was he fucking that was spinning? so weird? I think it was <laughs> trying to spinning. convey like a specific aspect of his powers, or that he, uh, uh, 
know. I had a thought about it, but it I seemed like it, 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 was. Yeah, it seemed like it was setting up for him to do something like otherworldly, but he's yeah. just spinning there and then is no longer spinning there. Yeah. Um, oh, that was the other thing I was going to say about the what I liked about the writer in this version. I liked that it was almost like the writer is a separate entity that Nicolas Cage can't, like, once he switches over, he does, he's not in the driver's seat anymore. The writer is making decisions on his own, and it, the best he can do is try to, like, influence him. Uh, and I don't remember feeling like that in the first film. No, I felt he, like it was Nicolas Cage with a flaming head. No, I feel like in the first film, a, a major part of the thematic journey of the film was him learning to gain a measure of control over the rider. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. Which, which, uh, which, was... di- which digs back into one of the things that, I, well, I won't say baffled me about this film because I had very low expectations of this film. <laughs> um, Were those expectations exceeded? Uh, what I would say is that it seemed like the <laughs> director, no, the directors, um, did not watch the first film because there even, was no even, reason to. even in the, uh, like the terms of the deal with the devil that they show in the film, the entire execution of that is radically different than what we saw in the, in the first film. It was <laughs> yes. very explicitly laid out that like. Uh, Johnny kind of accidentally signed the contract. He accidentally like pricked his finger and some blood fell on it. And then we watched the first film and we talked about this when we saw it uh, in the thing of like, oh, Johnny is, he's kind of being fucked over here and it makes us sympathize with him. But then the the Mm. whole thematic point of this one is like, no, Johnny did wrong. And now Johnny has to be redeemed. Okay. But the first movie is not very good. So I don't particularly (laughs) mind that they kind of ignore it. Yeah, I feel like they they get to tell their own story here. This This is a dramatically better movie, for for me at least. So I don't really give a shit. I can't agree with that. I don't know if it's a better movie. I think (laughs) in certain ways it's a more entertaining movie, but I don't know if it's a better movie. I absolutely think it's a more entertaining film. Oh, it's absolutely a more entertaining film, and I I feel like it's splitting hairs otherwise, but... (laughs) I do feel like it doesn't actually play around with... with, uh, the tone enough that it i want it to acknowledge more that this is ridiculous uh and and to just i don't know i wanted it to have more fun with itself yeah i wanted it to be significantly less consistent in tone there weren't there weren't enough uh so what you're saying dude is that there weren't enough cutaways to jerry springer or pink floyd (laughs) album covers i forgot about jerry springer (laughs) actually yes because i felt like each of those was, it, I don't know, uh, awesome. It fit, yeah, it fit the. I, I don't. I just think that Jerry Springer is such an odd choice, such an particularly easy at choice. this time in 2011 and 12. Uh, but I guess he's supposed to be reflecting on uh, all of the past. But, uh, but again, like for again for reference, and this blows my mind. This came out in 2012. In mm-hmm. 2012, the Avengers came out. The Dark Knight mm-hmm. Rises came out, and this mm-hmm. feels like it should have come out a decade before. Yeah, I would say this feels appropriate for then, but as a straight-to-DVD film? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I Maybe mean, as a theatrical release 10 I years like, earlier. It's more I like Fantastic like than it does bad, Avengers or Dark Knight Rises. To compare it to, because those are like two of the biggest movies yeah. of all time of that year just yeah. in general. Yeah. And those are like such huge giant event movie superhero movies. What would be a better comp? We talk a lot about sort of uh, superhero blockbusters but Ghost Rider is not a fucking superhero g- blockbuster character. 
This yeah, is much I, more along the lines of The Punisher. This made me, I really, uh, while I was watching it, I had several ideas for different iterations of Ghost Rider as an entertainment property. Oh, and boy. I think it works much better as a TV show. Uh, probably a half hour show. Uh, I, I did write, I did write sitcom? What's that? A sitcom? Yeah, three camera uh, sitcom. No, I was thinking more, okay, so there, there are two versions of this that I see. Uh, one is more of a, a procedural chase show where it's uh, Ghost Rider comes across a crime, then he has to find the bad guy, and he's a bounty hunter, so literally all he has to do is catch them and stare at them to punish them. So all he's trying to do through the whole episode is find out who the criminal is and then where they are. And he has to get to them on various vehicles. Uh, he can be different ghost riders. He doesn't have to be Johnny Blaze. Uh, it's just, he is trying to find someone and look at them, and then they will feel punished now, for their crime. Uh, so, now, when you say he doesn't have to be Johnny Blaze, do you mean that, like, the main character could be a different one? Or are you saying that in any given episode, it might be a different Ghost Rider? Or sure. within an episode, like, the Ghost Rider spirit is, like, body leaping from person to person, trying to stare at somebody. Yes, that it is an anthology show akin to, like, your Tales from the Crypt, your uh, Twilight Zone, but it, it's got some kind of, uh, or out, Outer I, Limits, I, I gotta, the remake of The Outer Limits is a good one, where there's some kind of, like, wanna, uh, you know, moral I wanna the put episode. A, I want to put a spin on it. I want to put a spin on okay. it. Um, I like the idea, but I do think that you need a, a through, This is the first of two pitches. I, I do think you need a through line with the Ghost Rider, so I think uh, okay. Outer Limits might be the wrong cop. I'm thinking something more like Quantum Leap. Okay. Um, okay. Yeah, I'm with you. I'm with you. The, the consciousness okay. of the Ghost Rider with the flaming head can go back in time, mm-hmm. episode to episode, or forward in time. So, like, ah, in this episode, he's Robespierre. Or this... <laughs> okay, I like this. Is the all right? Stay with me. Here's my pitch: a puppet variety show like The Muppet Show, but with the Ghost Rider. Now, when you say that, do you mean like the Ghost Rider surrounded by other puppets, or do you mean the Ghost Rider as one of the Muppets surrounded by the other Muppets? What if his penance oh. stare turns someone like into 1970s a puppet? C-list celebrity show up as the guests. <laughs> uh, this week it's Robert Goulet. Mark Hamill. Goulet. Uh, that Mark was Hamill. exactly the celebrity celebrity yeah, I was Hamill. thinking of. Mark Hamill or Robert Goulet? Goulet. Uh, yeah. that that's or, funny because uh, from the first one that I thought of, and I was like, it was Gould. not a seamless Gould. celebrity. Gould. Yeah, Elliot, Elliot Gould. Gould. I was apparently Scarrett. in a Gould, a Gould kind of frame of mind. <laughs> Elliot Gould, Gould, the Ghost Rider. <laughs> yes. Oh my God, Elliot Gould could be the. Oh and, yeah. No, no, that's it. it that's it. it special it, guest it, appearance by Glenn Gould. No, no, it's no, it's it is a uh, a quantum leap like show. Where the Pennant Stare turns them into puppets, and it stars Elliot Gould and Tom Skerritt as his uh, <laughs> Al type character. And it's, I, I, and no, it's I think I, we, we should have cast Elliot Gould as the Ghost Rider. Yeah, yeah, and then Tom Skerritt is his uh, his Dean Stockwell character. It's like his, yeah. he plays uh, whatever the hell uh, Donald Logue's character was. In, uh, <laughs> Uh, is McKinney, Max, I would yeah. say? I Max have no idea. Mickey? Joe? <laughs> Hello, Joe! What do you know? Uh, he played uh, Mac. Mac, of course. Mac, Mac the of course, mechanic. Yes. That's yes. very clever. 
the mechanic. Yes. Is it what they did? The very was overused. Also clever. Didn't mean either right. of those words. That was so, is what I meant to say. Let, oh, let, best line in the film. Scott Bukula. <laughs> Scott Bukula. <laughs> we're, we're in Treehouse of Horror territory right now. Nice. Count Bakula. <laughs> Count Bakula. Count Bassi. Oh my God. <laughs> ding. We, we need a ding. All right. Um, uh, dude, what is your vote for the best line in the movie? Oh, uh, well, I, I think I had a couple written down, but the one that I remembered right then was, so that just happened. Mm. Boo. Oh, it's terrible. It's really a movie it's that terrible. The great lines. What's there's that? a lot, of, as we said, there's a lot of like weirdly okay. abortive one-liners. Yeah. For me, the weirdest is the part when he wakes up in the hospital and He's badly flirting with the nurse, but in like a way that's bad to everyone involved. Like even yes. he's not into the flirting. <laughs> yes. He is very clearly kind of upset at himself for what he's saying. And then, and then he begs her for morphine. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Or yeah. dilaudid or anything that they have. <laughs> anything, anything at all. Uh, you know, it's entirely possible that's just him waking up in his dressing room and they're filming him and he's just demanding <laughs> morphine. <laughs> But yeah, no, it's weird. Like, I could see a different version of that scene where he's, like, a little bit more suave and it's just getting lost in translation. But, like, his delivery of it doesn't even make sense as flirting. Well, he literally just woke up. Like, he, he doesn't, he hasn't even determined his location. Why is that, why is that his default? Woman. <laughs> any, any interaction with women is deals with them? He's possessed <laughs> by a crazy angel, Nick. To be fair, this probably has the heart of a horny angel. A that is the second most fucked up attitude towards women after that weird guy who apparently believes he can just proposition gypsy women for sex. Well, is it, is you're a robot, uh, a gypsy, right? Well, I have a lot of money. That's well, the stereotype uh, no, that he's that he's referring to is that uh, that they're. A lot of Roma women are prostitutes, right? I mean, it's it's I, that's a, I like the a stereotype. That, I like the way that they set him up, though, because, like, okay, so you're trying to get across a shorthand of this is a bad guy and they're going to rob mm-hmm. him, and it's okay because he's a bad guy. But the way they set him up is he sits down and he says, I'm a businessman and I have a lot of money. Yes. And it's like, <laughs> it's like one, it's one step above, or no, I would say one step below a character in a Mystery Science Theater host segment. <laughs> it's like I guess the I... ultimate shorthand for a character. I mean, the, short, the, the description of the scene to me is that here is a woman who, I mean, she's, she's kind of a mirror for Johnny Blaze at this point. Like, she's, she is capable of seeing the potential or seeing the sins of men. So she manipulates him into, you know, she flirts with him and, and reads him as the kind of guy who's going to make an ass out of himself. And, and that, that's why she's got this thing worked out with her son so that, uh, you know, she mm-hmm. finds a guy who's gullible and willing to uh, pay a woman for sex. And then she takes advantage of him and punishes him for this. Mm-hmm. She, you know, sees sins and punishes them in her own way. But I, I, I like the idea that like this, the dialogue here was clearly like a first draft because even yeah. even the work a day lines are are just awkward and like yeah. undeliverable. Like there's there's that like Moreau uh, is is talking to the priest and is like Denny Denny 
can still be saved. It's like, no, he is not. He cannot be <laughs> saved. He cannot be saved. He is not. Yeah, um, you get the feeling that they weren't shooting Nicolas Cage with other people. Uh, that this this is not a situation where the actors are sitting across from each other with I, coverage yeah. so I that they can get real reactions. And they didn't do the, enough takes to choose no. a lot in the, in the editing process. I imagine at this stage, even in 2012, I imagine at this stage in their careers, Nicolas Cage, Idris Elba, and Christoph Lambert were working very different schedules for very different pay. <laughs> uh, no, it, it's really... It's an oddly edited film. Uh, curiously enough, the, the idea of doing it as a three-camera sitcom would avoid some of these problems. Um, <laughs> yeah. I, uh, oh, that was just my, my first of two pitches, by the way. Uh, oh, I, my, I, let's hear your other yeah, pitch. let's hear the second. Okay, so he's a bounty hunter. Yeah. We just make a reality show about him that apes Dog the Bounty Hunter. That's it. It's just Dog the Bounty Hunter starring Johnny Blaze. <laughs> I did. There are also crossover episodes with Dog the Bounty Hunter. <laughs> I just want Dog the Bounty Hunter to be on a Ghost Rider show, and they're working together. That's all I want. I did write all right. down uh, at one point uh, as I was watching the film, I did think of it to myself as an episode of Ghost Rider. So I think mm-hmm. you're onto something there. <laughs> I mean, it feels more like the show should just be about him chasing bad guys, not saving the world or doing some big epic thing i just want him i want to see his regular nighttime job that he's required to do every time he turns into the rider it should be the 1970s incredible hulk he just goes from town to town (laughs) yeah yeah just wandering like kane and kung fu what happened what happened to that format of show it seemed like every other show was that in the 70s Mm -hmm. and that's quantum leap in a a way that was the shazam show that they did it was that (laughs) There was a Shazam show. Yeah, wow. and they were, and it was about young Billy Batson and a, an old guy in a van going across the country solving <laughs> mysteries. And at the end of every episode, he'd say Shazam and turn into Captain Marvel and, and fight yeah, the criminal. Sounds inappropriate. That's Stephen. Stephen, when you said, wait, what? What sounds inappropriate? <laughs> old guy in a van. Old guy in a van taking a little kid who turns into a man uh, around to solve <laughs> mysteries. It's yeah, a little unfeebly. Well, uh, I think you're sexualizing this, Nick. I, I think uh, you should delve into why you're doing that. <laughs> Come on, man. How dare I sexualize Stephen, you old men said with young Billy Batson. Hold on, hold on. Derek, what were you saying? You, you cut out. You said young Billy Batson, and I thought you were going to say young Billy Barty. Young Billy Barty travels the country. He says Shazam, and he turns into a more powerful little person. <laughs> Speaking of sexualizing little children, yeah, that's that's uh, Gold Digger's Billy Barty. That was his shtick. That was his shtick in Warner Brothers' '30s films. Is he was just like a, a little horn dog of a kid. The show <laughs> ran. The show ran from 1974 to 1977 on CBS. From 1975 to 1977, it was known as the Shazam! Exclamation point slash ISIS Hour, and included the secret of ISIS. Wow. Huh. What is the secret of ISIS? It was a show that was the exact same thing as Shazam, except it was a woman, uh, and with she, Egypt powers. With with Egypt powers, that's exactly it. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if I just figured that out, or if I somewhere in the back of my head I knew what the show was. How, how could you have figured it out, not having known it before? 
Yes. No. But yeah, I think I think that was sort of a format of television in the '70s and probably into the '80s that just kind of went away. The sort of picaresque hero with probably with superpowers resolves mysteries. Like uh, like the littlest hobo. Which I know exists, but I still have no real concept of what the fuck it is. It's that type of show, except instead of the Incredible Hulk or Shazam, it's a dog. And not a talking dog. Wait, it's a dog? dog? Yeah, the littlest hobo is a dog. I thought it was a hobo! (laughs) Where would you get that? (laughs) The title, The Littlest Hobo. I imagined a tiny hobo. I thought it was a show about a a homeless child. No, it's a German shepherd. I would have no way of knowing wow. that. I would have picked. I would have pictured like a little scrappy dog, like Benji. No, no, he's a, he's yeah, a German or a shepherd. Wishbone. He goes from town to town solving mysteries. Nick Hobo is an acronym. It stands for Hoarder of Bones. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> does it really? What? No, no, it does not really. <laughs> it might. I don't know. I mean, it could. I don't, yeah, I've never exactly. even heard of this. So, exactly, uh, it might have. That's, what do that's you think, like, dear what? readers, dear listeners? Yeah, let's vote. What do you think, Littlest Hobo? In, is the, an acronym? in the course of the Littlest Hobo's run, a mixture of well-known Canadian <laughs> and Hollywood guest stars appear, such as Alan Hale Jr., DeForest <laughs> Kelly, Maury oh. Amsterdam, Michael Ironside, Abe Vigoda, John Vernon, Vic Morrow. John Carradine, Leslie Nielsen, and a 16-year-old Mike Myers playing a kid in a wheelchair. Oh my. So if Ghost I do Rider, want to see the episode with Leslie Nielsen, that's for sure. If Ghost Rider were in that kind of show, possibly playing a dog, possibly with a dog as a companion, I think it would work. I agree. I do wonder right. what happened to that type of show. Um... Okay, just one last dial. Maybe it became animated. Oh, Aqua Teen Hunger Force. There you go. Yeah. yeah. Oh, I guess they're just stable detectives. Yeah, it's, it's a pick-a-rest also, they're not adventure. Yeah. They're not stable. I'm not sure I ever saw an episode where they solved a crime. Uh, I mean, they find the rabbit in the first episode. I don't know if I've seen that episode. <laughs> oh. There's a, <laughs> Dr. Weird releases a giant robot rabbit, and it stomps through the mall. And I think they run into it somewhere before the end of the episode. Uh-huh. All right. They pitched uh-huh. it to the network as they were detectives. So for the first episode, they were detectives. And then they abandoned <laughs> that immediately as soon as the network stopped paying attention on did the second also, episode, I guess. Did they also pitch them as some sort of teens in an aquatic environment who are hungry? You're asking too many questions. <laughs> now, okay, so Scott Bakula is still alive. Elliot Gould is still, is yes. still alive. Tom Skerritt still alive. Dean Stockwell still alive. Yes, this has been who is still alive. <laughs> Abe Vigoda no longer alive. Yes, um, I, I after after that I had to make sure that that website that tells you if he's still alive was uh, had, had been, been updated. updated. It, had been it updated. was updated. Whoever set up that website, that was the day they were waiting for their entire <laughs> lives. Oh. Dear. I was just about to say this, uh, half, uh, like fully seriously. Dean Stockwell is only eighty. I would have guessed he was at least ninety-three. <laughs> <laughs> I think I think he's the guy who got like old by the time he was like forty. Yeah, he's he's an old looking eighty. Yeah. Anyway, wait, wait. Was I mean, he Dean got... Stockwell was he Commander Ty or was he? Hold on, wait. Was he uh, Doc 
Doc Cottle. It was neither one. He was uh, number one. He's uh, Cavill. Wait, which one's Cavill? The, the other old white guy. <laughs> the, the 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 oh. uh, Cylon. The Cylon boss. Spoilers. Spoilers uh. for a show that's been off the air almost ten years. <laughs> Damn. Also, he helped Scott Bagula through time. Spoilers for Quantum Leap. Also, he, he, he lip-synced that terrifying Roy Orbison song in Blue Oh, Valley. yeah. Yeah, okay. I got you. Yeah. Wow. He's, I he's forgot. He, he was fun. somehow the scariest three minutes of Blue Velvet. <laughs> yeah. He was in Dune. I think he was also a child actor. Yeah. What? He was, yes. he was, he was a child? <laughs> he was like he was a, a child actor in the 50s, right? Yeah. No, he was, that was back when he was playing the part of Billy Barty. I assumed that he had been born as a man from an egg. <laughs> yeah, like Mort. Yeah. yeah. Ah, Mort Mort. That's, uh, that's actually the name of my next novel, The Hatching of Dean Stockwell. <laughs> <laughs> the first part of the gripping Dean Stockwell trilogy. He played, he played Nick Charles Jr. in Song of the Thin Man, which I imagine is a Thin Man film with cartoon birds. Uh, <laughs> Picture paint well, your wagon, but it's a detective film. At least, at least part of that is accurate. Um, I don't know which part. Let's see, um, all right. So, so I'm, I uh, I want to get back to the film. Uh, yeah, hey, we've got really so off track again. Johnny Blaze uh, confesses his sins. Uh, he he drinks the wine and eats the bread, uh, and then uh it, so he gets the rider out of we, him are we still summarizing the film no I'm, I'm trying to bring you back to a place in the film to ask a question okay go ahead uh, all right so the rider comes out of him in the form of really low budget black chains which i thought were actually pretty cool yeah, um he wakes up uh as rip van winkle uh you know 20 minutes later or something and everyone is dead but no actually they're just about to sacrifice the boy um but he he gets to run out into that kind of empty uh canyon looking area with all the cool cave dwellings yeah uh, they're, they're, they're the pueblo monks yeah yeah uh and he doesn't have his powers anymore so he can't save danny from the situation yep uh but because danny is desirable both uh for good and bad reasons blackout arrives to save him from all of these good monks that are doing a bad thing so are they though is killing the potential the antichrist. antichrist before he can be the antichrist really an evil act? Mm, it's a good killing argument. him before he can refuse to be the antichrist this is, is like, an evil act. It's a minority report situation. Yeah, no, I just I I remember one of my notes is that like they they clearly play this as oh shit the monks have betrayed us they're evil but I'm like yes. mm, they're just they're just going to kill the antichrist. But you keep calling him the antichrist like he already is and he's not. He he's got want... the devil's powers. He yeah, but he's not. Yet, but he, he hasn't. He hasn't used them for any ill purposes, and doesn't appear to want to. Oh, well, you never can he tell. Pick that guy's pockets. Yeah, yeah, he's evil. You're also the one who We're... thinks that the humans We're... should try to exterminate all the mutants. So <laughs> <laughs> I'm not with you on this. <laughs> Although, also at the very beginning of the movie, it's established that the Ghost Rider will punish you if you pirate movies. Yeah, he's you know, that you uh, you could be punished for anything, including that. But do you uh, get yes. like? Full punished for that, or do you just like lose a little bit of your? Does your I mean, does, he doesn't take your soul if he for it. into my soul, will my soul burn out of me and I die because I download things via torrent? Is my question here? 
Uh, or is well, there a that's a question of... you could only ask the writer. This is so, a hypothetical, uh, Mr. Ryder. If you feel that it's wrong, then, uh, I mean, the fact but, that you're asking the question, I think probably answers the question. I don't know if that's true. If you didn't feel that it was wrong, you wouldn't ask. But I, but I don't think it's wrong, but clearly he thinks it's wrong as he's mentioned it as being wrong. And a nice little if... piece of propaganda from uh, the anti-pirates. Yeah, 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 yeah. Does it matter if Nick thinks it wrong if the writer thinks it's wrong? I think is the yeah, exactly. Like if if I were a complete sociopath and didn't have a sense of right and wrong, does that mean I am impervious to the penance? Oh, there, I, I got don't it think there. How the penance there works? Hi, Fuji, Mr. There seems to be some sort of sense of morality that the penance there is by insanity. Um, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm not you sure that it is. Uh, me. It is uh, no insanity clause. <laughs> Either uh, giant bottle. Oh, let's see. I guess my the question that I'm asking is like, I feel like there is a, a specific element of uh, deeper morality play that the film is trying to uh, uh, express, and it's it's evident in moments like this where. Uh, with the the good guy has given up his powers mm-hmm. uh, and the bad guy arrives and does the good thing so the question is is the right thing done by a bad person as valuable as the right thing done by a good person but is is killing a bunch of monks and then kidnapping Danny so as to start the ritual that will make him the Antichrist? I don't know if I call right that a good thing. thing. Yeah, that could still be the wrong thing. <laughs> I feel like that's a bad thing. Well, the the I guess the the I feel like that's very shade of what black. What the monks are doing is kind of shade of gray. What what Johnny and Nadia and Moreau perhaps want to do is shade of white. Well, it's giving you the other side of the coin. Like, he, he has now been rescued by the bad guys. Uh, but when, when Blackout says, bet you're glad to see me, I don't think he's being sarcastic. He actually, I mean, he has literally just saved this boy's life when no one else could. And yeah. he, he doesn't see himself as the bad guy. He sees himself as picking up this kid to take him to his father. And yet the meaning film that not... Danny's fate is in his own control. And yet so he could just does... as easily go to the one father figure as to the other. But the I mean, I does not go here, to I... tremendous lengths to establish the ghoulish murderer and the devil as compelling alternative uh, role models for this young fellow. <laughs> yeah, I see where you're coming from, but I think you're trying to set up sort of a weird, flexible scale of morality here that I'm not I'm, sure the movie... No, I'm trying to say that Danny, as a character, has received multiple examples and fates that he could go towards. And the, what matters is what he chooses. Yeah. And he chooses to set Johnny's skull on fire. And it was awesome. Okay, that is the and it was assertion awesome. of a birthright that I have ever seen. Fire shoots out of his mouth, and he creates a demonic bounty hunter. Yeah. Uh, we've all been. Yeah. Then kills the devil in the yeah. coolest in the coolest sequence, like the the coolest killing of a devil that I've seen. And most simple, he throws him into the sky, whips him with a chain, and pulls him back to the earth so hard that he plummets through the ground all the way to hell. Yeah. See, yeah, this movie is full of really, really stupid but amazing shit happening. Moreau's death. Moreau's death was. Awesome! Moreau's death. The goddamn uh, mining equipment, the the what was it, the Beggar 288 or whatever it's called. Yeah, uh, yeah. That's fucking awesome as shit. 
And even if we don't get to see it, we do have the amazing idea of the Ghost Rider roller coaster. To save that, which... the third part of the trilogy. Oh, man. <laughs> uh, imagine if he got into the Batmobile. You see, all of, all of these things are true. There are all, <laughs> all sorts of... All things are true. All sorts of awesome all things. All things are possible through the Lord happen in this film. But somehow this movie is less than the sum of its parts. It doesn't... It doesn't believe in its own ridiculousness in a weird way. I, I agree I did, with you. I did not totally, have I did not have that issue as much as you did. Well, yeah, I mean, tonally, it just doesn't set. It doesn't put me in the mood to want to have fun with it. Nick, here's I, I want to put this in terms that might be a little more your language. So, All what's right. what's your favorite Batman film? Batman Robin, of course. Now, um, <laughs> compare Batman and Robin to Joel Schumacher's previous Batman film, Batman Forever. Oh, How do you feel about yeah. Batman Forever? It's terrible. Now, the reason that Batman Forever is far worse than Batman and Robin, even though Batman and Robin on the surface appears worse to the untrained eye, is because Batman and Robin committed Fully. Yeah, no, I, I think that there is a, an interesting parallel between these two sets of films. I, will, I, 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 I'm certainly, I'm certainly not saying that this movie commits to its ridiculous, campy awesomeness as much as Batman and Robin does. But I'm it, not putting it in that ballpark. Which puts it more but I don't the buy, Batman Forever. And, and you know, perhaps, perhaps for Derek, it's more along the lines of Batman Forever, where it's just being dull. But I didn't find the movie dull. It's perhaps you know slow and it doesn't necessarily hit the its peaks as often or as high as it might want but the peaks that it does hit i was very satisfied with okay. not batman and robin satisfied with but that's <laughs> come on you're you're asking me to compare this to one of my favorite movies yeah yeah you can't you can't ask for the world and have someone give you amsterdam and still be happy i i do think is that, that an are... expression <laughs> <laughs> move fast <dude. laughs> Um, I do think that there are a lot of a lot of there's just a lot of wasted space in this film. Mm. The action sequences, each one, you know, has cool stuff about it, or there's you know a cool yeah. moment or something. But it does feel like it's a lot of subpar dialogue. Oh yeah, no, it's stringing together terrible. like the bare minimum of plot that uh, is not in itself bad and is much better than the plot of the first film. And I feel like they are. In, in terms of what they're writing here, they are swinging for the fences. Like, the, in the climax of the film, Moreau is is shooting into a crowd of the worst people on Earth with a machine gun. And they're just, like, standing there. And they're getting to the uh, gate. Uh, I mean, uh, I don't remember the action sequences from the first movie. I, I As I recall, they're not particularly... Were there any like particularly impressive action set pieces in the first movie? I don't think so. Uh, do you remember the the opening stunt where he drives over the the helicopters, uh, or not Bailey? the opening stunt? But he when he when he after he's an adult and he drives over like thirteen helicopters. Uh, yeah, but that but, yes, I remember that. I don't remember okay. any of like the Ghost, Ghost Rider, Rider action sequences. You don't remember him uh, riding a flaming motorcycle yard. up the side of a building, uh, or or into that river over that uh, like suspension—not suspension bridge, but you know the the uh, 
half vaguely like like now that now that you mentioned these moments i'm like yes you I remember, remember wilson those. yeah you remember rebel uh, wilson and you remember uh, no i don't yeah, oh yeah she like, was the witness to uh penance stare to, yeah. when he does it on that, that mugger in the alley and then you remember the scene where Sam Elliott sets a horse on fire and they ride yes. together. He's got a flaming four, horse and they yeah, ride into the Sam yeah, Elliott that. checks out of the climax. Okay. But yeah, yeah, but none of the but none, none of those are the fight scenes. No. Like what is what how how does Oh the fight like, scenes in the in the climax are pretty subpar. Mostly it's just yeah. like him in a dirty alley or like or industrial lot like ripping people with chains. Yeah, like, there's a first there's a train yard fight with like yeah. the and I like the, the action sequences in this much more. Oh, these are so much better. better. I like the sets in this much more. The The backgrounds are amazing. Partially, yeah. I think, because none of them are really in cities. That It's it's all out in kind of open, natural, arid environments. It partially felt more like where a lot of people in the world live who do not live in major yeah. metropolitan areas. Which is kind of an odd choice for a character like uh, the Ghost Rider, which does seem like maybe he makes more sense in an urban milieu, but uh, I did. Yeah. I certainly, know. certainly is good here. Or maybe not. I mean, certainly there's a Western kind of aspect to him as yeah. well. Mm-hmm. I feel like there aren't many superheroes who don't operate in, and I, I kind of like break from that. Yeah. Like, I I appreciate that this is doing, even if it's not necessarily entirely successful, it's doing some different things that we've seen in uh, superhero movies. I can't, re- I don't think we've watched any movies involving a child who may or may not be the Antichrist. <laughs> that's, that's true. Uh, I really defy wasn't, you. Uh, wasn't one After... of them X-Men the Antichrist? <laughs> sure. <laughs> uh, the demon-looking guy. Nightcrawler. the Antichrist, right? right? I watched the movie. Man Thing was an he was an antichrist, and Johnny in the first Fantastic Four, where his hand sets on fire and he shakes it really Uh quick. Ah, Wait, ah. wait, wait! When you say the first, you mean the Corman? Oh yeah! Oh yeah! Oh, Red Skull! Red Skull! He's an antichrist. He was an antichrist. Yeah, the the Italian Red Skull was an antichrist. Yeah, the The piano. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, sing us a song, Mister Red Skull. I uh, like Peggy, Peggy Carter in uh, in uh, Captain America. Andy you Carter. shut your mouth. <laughs> yeah, a woman in a red. You dress. won't say anything about Peggy. Um, How dare you accuse her of being the Antichrist? Or Antichrist. You just said you don't say anything about her, right? Not anything qualitative. We just you just Peggy said you're not allowed to, to talk anymore. about her. Yeah. Um, well, he's just okay. accused her of being an Antichrist. He's 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 lost rights. He to has Peggy. to define Christ, though, in order to define Antichrist. You don't know yes. what aspect we of are, Christ he could be trying to define. We are using it more like how the Bible it is, where <laughs> there isn't a singular the Antichrist. Antichrists are just people who are opposed to Christianity. Yeah, so talking yeah. about on Antichrist is actually quite accurate. Mm. Um, there you go. Uh, I liked. I, I, <laughs> To All get right. back to the I, one beautiful I, set I wanted to comment on. Okay. The, after, after that. Blackout uh, decays all of those uh, Highlander priests, uh, <laughs> the the set, when they come back to them as, like, little mud stone statues, yeah, yeah. Well, I just thought that looked gorgeous. Like, the, the colors in that scene and the, I don't know, it looked like it was filmed at the Magic Hour. How, it just how much of them, how worked much really of well for me. was, um, and this could be, you know, one of the things you could point to, that is different from the first film that contributes to that different look. How much of this was shot on set versus shot on cheap European location? Well, the first film was shot in Australia mm. and the, the second film is shot in the 
Australia of Europe. Bulgaria? Yeah, I'm just like the out, out sure in where. the east somewhere, Eastern Europe, you know. I mean, there's open things, you know, in space. That would explain why Rebel, Rebel Wilson's there. Um, boy. I mean, from what I remember of the aesthetic, it seemed to me that the other that the first movie looked much cheaper in terms of sort of Romania. where it was being filmed. Hmm. If that makes sense. Romania, uh, Australia. Come visit scenic Romania, Australia of Eastern Europe. Yeah. <laughs> All right, I have a question. So, uh, during the during right before the scene where we have the interrogation of the henchmen, sort of where we've agreed is sort of peak. Oh, yeah. Peak, I wanted that. Uh, go ahead. Go ahead. So, there's the establishing shots of the location they're at, which is some sort of un- underground club where there seems to be some kind of fighting happening. Yeah, mm-hmm. they're in Zion. We have a shot of a guy like getting his uh, hands uh, taped up in preparation for a fight. And then, I don't know immediately afterwards, but close enough afterwards that there seems to be some sort of relationship between the two shots. There's a shot of a pig. Is this a club where men fight pigs? <laughs> or is it a club where pigs fight men? I don't know. <laughs> It's the kind of club where you look from man to pig and pig to man and try to determine which is which. <laughs> really, it depends on was, who's behind the bar. Yeah, I was really, it's, really it's hoping there would be a shot of a man fighting where a one pig gets into a pit with a man. <laughs> one man enters, they then get... a pig enters, then one of them exits. Yeah, pigs go through meat like <laughs> butter. Um, um I, uh, I when it when uh, I I don't remember what the establishing shot of that. Uh, set or that location was from the outside, mm-hmm. but I remember when they cut to the inside. I thought this would be way cooler if they'd sh- shot it as a rave inside an abandoned missile silo, <laughs> like a former <laughs> Soviet missile silo. Which I'm sure you know they're just probably scattered all over Eastern Europe, right? I mean, come on, maybe yeah. Uh, I'm kind of disappointed that we didn't have a scene where we learned that part of the uh, Ghost Rider. Uh stuff since it was in eastern europe was related to chernobyl i really wanted that trope to come into play that could have been cool yep yeah no it, no, it couldn't have it's a terrible idea <laughs> what if it were a show? No, no. that would be uh, awesome like uh, some sort of uh, you know like causing someone to uh make a deal that caused the meltdown yeah that'd like, be pretty cool like when, no, okay. when wolverine and Sabretooth and that thing that was kind of like deadpool calls the three mile <laughs> island incident no all right here's what happened you have the angel of the angel of radiation uh fell to earth and that's what caused uh chernobyl and it beca- it like rises from the earth and uh the chernobyl the monster radiation would be a cool lot would be a cool nomination for new horseman of the apocalypse. Yeah. I mean, yeah. that could be pestilence, I guess. Yeah. I yeah. think that would be an interesting take on that. Yeah. Uh if you wanted to be sort of a if you wanted to make a reference that would be like super timely in the mid sixties, you could have the uh the, the horseman the war horseman of the apocalypse be irradiated. Yeah, so then you, you got the Chernobyl monster comes up, and uh, yeah. Mr. And Ghost, Ghost Rider has to fight him. Yeah, Scott Bakula's got to fight him, and it's, uh, <laughs> no Elliot Gould. Elliot Gould is our uh, Johnny Blaze. Okay. Damn it. Okay, so Scott Bakula can be Scott Bakula is Johnny Cash. is Danny Catch. Okay, is it Cash? Catch. 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 As in uh, Jack Catch, like the the like generic term for hangman, like uh, ketchup. All right. No, not like that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it spelled like he, he was originally called Danny Katz after Katz. <laughs> Holy Katz! 
it is K-E-T-C-H, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, ketchup. Yeah, yeah, it is like ketchup. Danny Ketchup. Um, all right, so so you're saying that Yusuf Islam was uh was one of the uh, Ghost Riders? Yeah, Yusuf Islam. Uh, no, Cat uh, Scratch Fever is by uh, Seeger Ray Vaughan, right? Yeah, Cat Scratch uh, Fever. Yeah, St- it was yeah. it was on uh, Alien Love Secrets in 1995. Uh, okay, by Stevie Ray Vaughan. Yeah. We have now. <laughs> <laughs> we have now gone to an area where I have That's no idea what we're talking Ray about anymore. Uh, <laughs> no, not 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 Sammy Ray Vaughan. Stevie Ray Vaughan. <laughs> What's the name? What's the name of the alien Thor? Uh, oh, Beta Ray Bill. Beta Ray Bill. Beta Ray Bill. Yeah. Thank you. I did not know I knew that. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Stevie Ray Bill, the famous horse blues guitarist. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Uh, so anyway, do I, I, I think, are, we, I, are we running out of steam here? Are we going into I, final I, thoughts? I, yeah. I need to actually hop on to another uh, call with Nick Smith uh, pretty shortly. So let's uh, let's move into final thoughts. I kind of wanted to see a version of this film where uh, Blackout's climax is that he uses his decay power on the devil's human body. Mm-hmm. Ooh, and like he's cool. the one who kills the devil just by killing him as a man uh, using his decay power. That would have required a also, more interesting arc for Blackout. Why? Yes. He, he spends a solid like three minutes holding Johnny in place with mm-hmm. like, there's a little bit of sort of pulsing of decay. Yeah. But it seemed like earlier is implied that he has no control over the decay thing. Anything he touches just automatically decays. Mm-hmm. So what sure. the hell's going on there? I mean, uh, I think the implication is that Johnny can't decay because he has the rider power back in him. So he's already dead. No, but that's, be- that's uh, before Danny uh, finds the spear oh, okay. back in him. He should I, still be uh, mad. I think the implication is that the screenwriters did not think this one through. Maybe he's just trying really hard not to let entropy affect him. Mm. And that is Unlike how Nicolas Moreau, Cage does like, film career. Yeah. Moreau all... didn't give a shit? <laughs> Aren't we all trying to let entropy not affect us, dude? <laughs> I, think the, I think the greatest insult I ever gave to someone was blaming them for entropy. Wow. <laughs> I was so mad at them that I blamed them for entropy. Um... <laughs> uh, did you guys uh, notice that there were a lot of camera shots that seemed to deliberately top out at just below Nicolas Cage's hairline, making it a, <laughs> making him appear to have the largest skull possible? I mean, even if it wasn't shot that way, like, the way that his hairline is working in this movie is gonna make it seem pretty fucking huge. Yeah. I, 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 gotta, <laughs> I gotta hop off of here in the very near future, so can we move into final thoughts? All right. All right, uh, Dirge, All right. your final thought... And it cannot take 45 minutes. Ah, <laughs> uh, all right. Let me edit this down. <laughs> um, all right. Well, you're editing that down. We can move on to a different final thought. Oh, yeah. I liked, uh, this is not my final thought, but one more comment. I liked that when they're scoping out the, uh, they're scoping out the scene and they're watching people through the, uh, the sniper rifle. I liked that it was Nadia doing that instead of, uh, uh, Idris Elba. Yeah. Moreau or uh, Johnny Blaze. Okay. Johnny Blaze. Fair enough. Yahweh is gracious <laughs> stutter. Yahweh is gracious oh, stutter is the name of my like, They Might Be Giants cover band. It felt like Rourke was trying to pull a being John Malkovich. Uh, okay, fair enough. Is that your final thought, the Malkovich thought? No, no, that's just a thought. Okay, what's your final thought? Oh, I don't know yet. You guys okay, should go on. Derek, Derek, your final thought. I really wanted to enjoy this film, and I can kind of see 
what they were going for. Like getting Neville Dean uh, Taylor to direct your film, like you're clearly going for a kind of ranked vibe, right? Just like mm-hmm. over the top, zany craziness. Um, and there were parts where it almost delivered on that, but as a whole, it didn't, it didn't come together for me. All right. Okay. Bester, your final thought. All right. Well, for, for me, it came together more, but I, I certainly understand uh, sort of where, where you guys are coming from. So instead, I want to just uh, talk about some missed opportunities here. So we've already talked about the roller coaster. Uh, mm-hmm. that's, you're setting it up. It's sort of a Chekhov's gun uh, kind of roller coaster thing. I know that there was no way that the roller coaster was happening, but God, I wish it was. The other incredible missed opportunity is uh, when we first see the transformation. Uh, which is sort of weirdly done where uh, Nick Cage is sort of intently staring at a photo of Danny sort of willingly. Ah, will, willing that, was good acting. that was some quality uh, Cage right there. All right, all right, yeah. Nick, we need you to not turn into the rider. Do whatever you want. <laughs> he stares at a picture and shakes and yells. Yes, that is inaccurate. And this is cross-cutting with uh, Danny and Nadia driving the car. And Nadia turns on the radio, and it's Kaja Gugu's Too Shy. The missed opportunity was to not set the transformation to Too Shy. If that had should have been a sound bridge into the rest of that transformation. That would have been the best. That is my final thought. That's a hell of a final thought. Dude, are you are you ready for your final thought or do you want me to go? Uh, you should probably go. I don't I don't have anything. He wants okay. the final final thought. Okay, yeah, you can have the final final thought. Um, the yeah, final I, sacrifice. This this film did not I will say this is a very stupid film. Um <laughs> there were no, there were I don't think it was dark. Nope. There were there were things about it that I enjoyed. Um, I, I would say I enjoyed it more than probably any of the Punisher films that we've watched. Um, but, yeah, I, I agree with that. But um, in terms of like, it wasn't good or zany enough to be particularly memorable for me, and it wasn't bad enough to be like an utter disaster. So like. I would probably watch Howard the Duck again before I would watch this again. <laughs> I could see myself watching this again. Like, like it, it made perfect sense to me that dudes watch this has seen this movie four times. Yeah, but like, <laughs> something like Howard the Duck to me, which is clearly... Oh, I would watch clearly, Howard the Duck again, too. Clearly yeah, the product of a deranged mind. Uh, <laughs> oh, yeah. Is no, inherently more interesting. But yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, ba- Batman what? and Robin, it was not to me. What movie? What movie that we've seen is the one that I would be the least likely to watch again? Man thing. Angley's Hulk. Ah, uh, yeah, probably that or one of the Fantastic Fours, one of the non-Corman Fantastic Fours. Rise of the Silver Surfer was awful. I will never watch Rise of the Silver Surfer <laughs> ever again. <laughs> yeah. Bold words, Derek. Never <laughs> say never. So, Derek. <laughs> I've forgotten to inform you of my bachelor party plans. <laughs> We're going to watch. We're going to have a wall We're going to put screens. you into a police interrogation room where you're forced to watch this film, and we will all sit on the other side of the glass watching you watch this film. But we will not be able to see the film. We, we will be. We will be watching lesser Chris Evans movies. <laughs> oh no! I've never seen The Losers. We can watch that. I was going to say The Losers. Rise of the Silver Surfer and uh, not another teen movie. 
Okay, uh, yeah, so my final thought is this uh, This was fine. It, it was not painful. It was not uh, like, oh, an hour and a half of my life. I'll never get back. But it was uh, not the... Not the full-blown cage madness I was hoping for, so I'll have to go it's watch. It's no drive anyway. Yeah, I'll have to go watch Vampire's Kiss or something. <laughs> uh, or uh, oh dang it, what is the what? name of that one where he gets his face burned with hot oil and he screams? I don't know. Oh, it's it's not a good film. He's not the main character, but every time he's on screen, he steals the show. Uh, I know what you're talking. It's like Michael Vines it- in it. Is yeah, it Fast a- Time at Ridgemont High? <laughs> no. Uh, let, me, let me look at his filmography real quick. He does not get uh, his face burned off in Fast Times at Ridgemont isn't High. It the, is it Meet the Croods? Or the Croods? <laughs> I can't remember. No, it, that is not the name of the, the meet, film. Yeah. Uh, meet the Feebles. Uh, no. Um, no, it's, uh, it, it had Michael Bine in it. Uh, yeah, it's like a southern kind of like New Orleans-ish. Uh, it was not Amos and Andrew. <laughs> <laughs> it's, no, it was not Hamilton Andrew. Um, um, which is it's an earlier one. I would I would still say Amos and Andrew is the the strangest title choice of a film I've ever seen. Uh, it was definitely before he was like really well known. Hold on. It's uh, Zandali, I Zandali. think. No, wait. No, is it no, Zandali? No, because that had Judge Reinhold in it, not Michael Bine. Uh, is it Bine? I thought it was Bean. You may be right. Yeah, you're right. It's not Zandali. It's uh... Zandali is the one where he and Judge Reinhold angrily dance at each other. <laughs> oh, God, never change. Uh, not Deadfall? I think it's Deadfall. It's dead. Know. It's Deadfall. It's Deadfall. <laughs> this has been yes. people spend several minutes yeah. trying to determine what Nick <laughs> it's, is. It's, it's Deadfall. It has so one of the, the greatest. That... I'll have to. I'll have to find the because I sent you a video of it because it's the crazy one of the craziest things I've ever seen. Uh, but I'll have to find that clip on YouTube. And, I, love, I love that Stefan was rushing us through our final thoughts, but could definitely spend four minutes oh, yeah. trying to figure out oh, yeah. which Nick Cage is It's worth it, trust me. <laughs> Deadfall. Not uh, to be confused uh, with Downfall. Uh, Viewers, do not watch Downfall. Uh, later, but, watch uh, I And special guest, or Fall Cage as Goebbels. <laughs> I will say that uh, okay, so my final thoughts on this film, if I can oh, summarize, done that yet. I enjoy this movie more every more every time I watch it. I I actually thought that parts of it were legitimately good for what they were doing. Like it doesn't waste time trying to be anything that it's not. Uh, it's not like gesturing at a depth that it doesn't reach. It just is a bunch of crazy stuff happening. It feels like the writers literally were trying to to uh, go to the extremes everywhere that they could, but on no money. And the producers and the director uh, said, fuck it, let's go for it. And they took a bunch of big swings, and some of them are impressive. Although I will say that, that machine, the machinery on fire, this Fucking might be awesome. the only instance where a piece of machinery was so big that it actually looks less impressive on fire. Because I bet if all of those scenes were done without the thing on fire, it would look more impressive because you would just see this giant piece of machinery crushing people. Although I bet it probably moves at like, you know, six inches 
uh, oh, yeah, that, a that, minute that, or something that, like that. that. Move very quickly. <laughs> it's it's not swinging around and crashing into yeah. the ground. To- like it looks like it might be kind of like a giant, like a humongous chainsaw. And I'm sure yes, it doesn't move that fast. If a chainsaw yeah. were mounted on uh on you know a series of eighteen wheelers, <laughs> yes. Uh, and then it's on fire. Yes. And no two things are not on fire in this film. <laughs> One of my favorite moments is like they're trying to kill kill him with uh, rocket launchers with RPGs. Yeah. And bunker he, he crawls. He crawls out of a pit of fire, and yeah. to show that he is damaged, he is less on fire. Well, the 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 goal of a I mean, they, they explain that a bunker buster sucks the oxygen out of the space, so there's literally no air for him to burn when he's wow. driven into the ground like that. Uh, at least I, I assume that's... that's what they were going for, because that is the description that he offered of the bunker buster. I have no wow. idea if that's how those work, uh, but... I don't care. <laughs> a guy in a movie sold a missile and said, this destroys air, and they yeah. fired it at a fire guy. That is the movie that you have. Uh, yeah, I feel like I feel like a lot of the way that this movie is operating on that. It's just sort yes. of, this is a, it's a simple plot, but, you know, as I said earlier, the, the Ghost Rider teams up with a boy who yeah. may or may not be the Antichrist to send the devil back to hell. Yes, that is if awesome. That, if that is a plot summary that sounds awesome to you, you should probably see this movie. If it doesn't sound awesome to you, what Safely the fuck? Safely skip it, yeah. What the uh, fuck? Yeah, it's, uh, it's not a good movie, but it's, there are parts of it that are really enjoyable. And the difference between this and the first film is enormous. If they got better at this rate then the third film would be well worth watching. But if the oh, yeah. budget changed at this rate, the third film would be a one-room drama. But imagine, oh, that was actually the original imagine, pitch for the room. <laughs> imagine a one-room drama about Johnny Blaze. That would be incredible. It would be. It's just Nicolas Cage on stage in a live-action play, shaking and yelling to no one. I'll watch right. that one-man show. You, you, you do that for like 95 minutes, you're done. That's That's yeah. your movie. 95 minutes of of just the transformation sequence of him staring at Danny's yeah. face, sweating and screaming, and then going around. Oh, uh, I have no doubt that Nicolas Cage is capable of crying in a scene, but I did not believe for a second that he was crying in this movie when he was supposed to be crying. I don't even remember what was happening, but it was something to do with Danny or Nadia or something. Oh. Uh, one final... That? One final thought. This movie does not see the return of Nick Cage's CGI body. No. You do not get Nick Cage's CGI six-pack. All ripped, yeah. (laughs) I I do have to ask the question, and I I got a little time because uh, Smith is is running a little late. So I figure I should ask this now. Has Nick Cage genuinely, I mean, his financial troubles aside, because he might not be able to afford to be as uh, picky about projects as he used to be, has he genuinely become a worse actor than he used to be? Has our perception of him changed, or have we never actually appreciated what kind of actor he is? Hmm. I, a little bit of both. I, I feel just, like I feel like he works with the material he has, and you know, sometimes sometimes it's you know moonlighting, and sometimes it's him and Ron Perlman as Crusaders. <laughs> I do think that he's been just went into. Uh, the the phase of his career that McConaughey was in before he decided to stop caring about how much money something made, where 
he cares so much about the, the paycheck that he's not choosing interesting roles. He's choosing roles that are, uh, I mean, it's, it's, it's like studio decisions about what movies to make, where he's going with what he feels are sure things because like they're Season obvious. of the Witch? <laughs> uh, or Left Behind? Although, wait a minute. Wait a minute. What, uh, didn't he, didn't he choose Drive Angry because he wanted to do a movie where he drank out of a skull? <laughs> like I mean, I think that goes back to like what we were talking about last time with, uh, yeah. you know, and in this movie, he, fun. I feel like he one decision he made was I want to drink water straight from a pitcher. Sure, Nick, we can make a movie where you can do that. <laughs> and that's how this movie was written. Water from a pitcher. I want to do a movie uh, across from a guy doing a, a French accent. I was going to say, Season of the Rich, which cost $40 million and made 91.6. So, that I mean, this you know, movie made quite a bit of money. It made like, like $130 million. Yeah. 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 I, so, I, you know, he's not getting critical accolades, but, you know, he's making, you know, smaller, stupid action movies that probably are able to break even. I just want to go back to Christopher Lambert for a minute because... Um, As always. Yeah, well, of course. So, he's in this scene this film opposite Idris Elba and Christopher Lambert is not speaking in a French accent, despite being French. <laughs> Idris Elba is speaking in a French accent, despite speaking, uh, despite, despite speaking British, despite being British. Um, contrast with Highlander where Christopher Lambert is a Frenchman who is supposed to be playing a Scotsman and does not do a Scottish accent where the world's most famous Scotsman plays an Egyptian masquerading as a Spaniard <laughs> speaking in a Scottish accent. <laughs> with a Japanese sword. With a Japanese sword, and Clancy Brown plays a giant Russian speaking like Clancy Brown. Downtown Clancy Brown? Downtown Clancy Brown. My uh, fa- my brothers with Uptown Clancy Brown? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Same, same, same guy. Uptown Clancy Brown's when he's playing jazz. Downtown Clancy Brown's when he's playing ragtime. Tom Clancy Brown? <laughs> Tom Clancy Brown. <laughs> Encyclopedia Brown? Encyclopedia Clancy Brown. Uh, Doc Clancy Encyclopedia Brown. Brown. Mm-hmm. Uh, you guys should uh, skip to the two-minute mark in that uh, Deadfall highlights video that I just sent. More specifically, the two fifty-minute mark, but that's fifty seconds into the uh, the scene that climaxes uh, very impressively, uh, very very cagily. Uh, yeah, I don't know. This movie's all over the place, and my opinions about it are all over the place. But way more of those opinions are positive and affectionate than uh, one would expect, uh, having not watched the film. Yeah, I certainly like it a whole lot more than the first movie. Mm-hmm. The first movie seemed very, very for- forgettable. Yeah, me, whereas it's, this it's this will stick with me always. <laughs> <laughs> Derek, okay. I suspect you like it more uh, either with subsequent viewings or more inebriated viewings. Derek, do you feel like you need to yeah, go back to this one? <laughs> yeah, yeah, take a shot every time I, I you know something about problem. Star just... Wars and uh, you'll love it. <laughs> <laughs> mm. I, yeah. I, I, would, I wouldn't mind watching this again. You know what I wouldn't watch again? Fantastic Four 2 Rise of the Silver Shades. <laughs> Never... Right. 
again. Derek, I have to ask you before we sign off, what is, in your opinion, the most obscure piece of Star Wars trivia you know? What is the thing oh, that you don't think uh, others would know? Ooh, I want to know if I know mm-hmm. it. Okay, this this is pretty obscure uh, Star Wars knowledge. There are two variants of the Y-Wing. <laughs> what are their... What? What are their official like uh, acronyms? Designations. What What are their official designations, and what does each designation do? Uh, one is called Y Wing, and the other is called Where For Wing. Wait, is one no. of them a bomber? Is one of them a bomber, and the other one a uh, like a more direct shooter? <laughs> direct shooter. Uh, sort of. <laughs> do I, you know this, Nick? I have no earthly idea. I. It, maybe it came up in one of the X-Wing books, but I've just <laughs> forgotten. Uh, I don't know. Like aerial combat. That's what I was looking for. Well, the two variants, gentlemen, are the BTL-S3 and the BTL-S4. The BTL-S3 seats two, a pilot, and uh, a person to rate the ion cannons at the top. Yeah. Uh, the BTL-S4, a gunner, a BTL-S4 only has a single pilot, and the ion cannons are fixed either directly forward or directly back. Now, huh. there is a sub-variant of the BTL-S4 called the BTL-S4 Long Probe, which is a reconnaissance <laughs> starfighter. Um, oh, my God. And it... <laughs> I think that's about, right. that's yeah. about the most obscure. Good job. Star Good Wars job. Do a shot. Can All we, right. can we talk about Spins Bagano again? what's the name of the horse pilot from the x-wing books that i don't know oh beta ray bill didn't we already go over this i think it's like starts with like an h-e-r i think like herwog or something like that herbert uh, no let's see uh who has Kilowog. who has kilowatt Kilowog. Who has Equesh? Who has Equesh? Oh, has Equesh. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Who is a Thakwash? That's not a real thing. Thakwash. Ah. All right. Kilowog. Yeah, Kilowog. He's he's one of them Greens Lantern. Yeah, there you go. Kilowog. Ah, sorry. I am I'm scrolling through my. Uh, tweets to find when I live tweeted the first or second time that I watched this movie circa 2011 or something. Oh, I forgot that Ho Ho Hosh Equish has multiple personalities. Wait, oh god! What? <laughs> like, like he has like multiple personality disorder. I think his species just has like a multi mind. He had multiple personalities, often referring to himself in the plural, which proved to be a deterrent in pilot training. Equesh would frequently lose himself to the pilot's mind, which was hostile to any potential enemies and did not readily obey orders. (laughs) So yeah, I think think if I remember correctly, that's just something that the the Thakwash do. But but that's not canon anymore. (laughs) Well, you know. (laughs) It's, it a might be. it's a legend. Each Thakwash had many different personalities, each performing some specialized function. This was their normal mental state and was not considered a psychosis as it would be in a human. Mm. Although that's a very d- narrow definition of uh, human psychology as there's evidence that the right brain and the left brain uh, often uh, function uh, effectively independently of each other. Yeah, nice fucking job, Kevin J. Anderson. 
Yeah. That was yeah. Kevin J. Anderson. That was got that was either Alston or Stackpole. How dare you like drag Kevin J. Anderson into the goddamn X Wing books? How dare you? How dare I sully the X Wing books with Kevin J. Anderson? Yes, man. how dare you? They're, they're some of the best uh, Star Wars books. Come on. Come on. Come on. At least, you, at least you didn't say anything about the Han Solo trilogy. That's that's when I would punch you at your wedding. <laughs> yeah, I'd be giving her to say I do, and you would walk up and slug me and say, That's for Han Solo. <laughs> that's for the Han Solo trilogy. It's, it's for all three of the Han Solos. Yeah. Does anyone here have any reason why these two should not be wed? He doesn't know the difference between the BTLS3 and the BTLS4! <laughs> yeah.